Alrighty, we're going to carry on with our visioning for um, leading up to the 30 days. We've been talking about it all month since we're halfway through the month. If you haven't been doing it, you can always jump on and listen to the other messages on SoundCloud um, or even on Facebook Live. That'll be still there. Um, but um, just before I ju- jump into... Beck, would you be able to... No, sorry. I'll grab the board, not the one, the pin board. There's one in my room that hasn't been done yet. Yeah, yeah not been done. Um, just before I jump into that, I wanted to just... I've had this ringing in my spirit for the last few hours. So I just wanted to share, um, just to encourage, because sometimes we think, oh, you know, I've, I've tried before, I've set things in front of me before and it just didn't work out. Or maybe you feel like you've messed up or it's just like you can just get a bit discouraged. And I was reading the story about Joseph and about his brother Judah. Now, Judah was one of the seven, you know, had seven brothers, other brothers, and he was Joseph's older brother and in um, the Bible um, it talks about how Judah and his other brothers were very jealous of Joseph who was a favorite of his father and um, when they had the chance they actually took Joseph and threw him down a well and many of us will know the story of Joseph and it was Judah who convinced all his other brothers not to kill Joseph but to sell him to some slave traders the Ishmaelites who, had, who happened to just come along at that time because God always provides. Um, and so they took him out of the pit and they sold him to slave traders and they took him and sold him as a slave in Egypt. And we know that story. But it was actually Judah who stepped in and he didn't do the right thing, but he did part of the right thing because they were going to kill Joseph because they were so jealous of him. And Judah went, no, no, let's sell him. Now he convinced the brothers, let's make a profit from him because they sold him. So they got money for his brother. So they did. So he was like, they were very, very jealous. And, and so Judah was that brother. So he didn't do the right thing in sparing his brother, you know, a life of slavery for all he knew. Or the grief that they went back and told their dad he was dead. So he didn't, he didn't really do the great thing. But Judah is one of the first stories you'll find in the Bible in the Old Testament of a story of repentance and second chances. Because later on in the story of Judah, you see that Joseph, after being sold as a slave, he experienced great fortune in Egypt. And he was put in charge, as the second in charge of all the land under Pharaoh. And he was able to be, he had he discerned the dream and was put in charge of stockpiling food for the seven years of famine that were coming after seven years of plenty. You can read all about it in Genesis. Um, and so he was awarded a high position and became very successful about 20 years after the brother's betrayal. Now, God is never in a hurry. <laughs> he just takes time and in the process. He has an appointed time and he gets it done when he is set in a place. And we're going, God, what are you doing? But God is always working behind the scenes. And not just behind the scenes, but within us as well. So it was 20 years after the betrayal, thrown in the pit, sold by his brothers, that the brothers show back up again. And Judah gets a second chance. He gets a second chance at this stage. When the brothers came to Egypt, they did not even recognise Joseph, um, whom they'd been speaking directly to because he was, he was like the Prime Minister. And they, was, they were these, um, you know, hungry um, kind of Israelites coming to, to get food and they didn't recognise their little brother. Um, and an incident happened during the visit where... Um, where um, the youngest brother was asked to remain behind and Judah actually stepped in and he said, we can't allow um, Benjamin, who was the youngest son, 
um, Joseph's full brother, to be left behind. He's already lost one son from that mum. We can't let that happen. And so um, Judah actually stepped in and said, I will, I will, you know, be in his place. And so he got a chance. And, and when, when Joseph actually saw his brother prepared to, as far as he knew, give up his life for his younger brother, he actually broke down in tears. He had to go away from the room and he broke down in tears because he realised that that Judah's heart had been changed. Here was this brother who had been freely sold him as a slave. He hadn't seen him for 20 years. Obviously, God had had to work a lot. Imagine you being sold as a slave, thrown in a pit by your brother and your father had been told you're dead. How would you feel? I mean, I would be wanting to kick some people up the pants, to be honest. And here they are asking for a handout, handout from him. He had the power to do whatever he wanted, but he saw that Judah's heart had been changed. And it's a story of repentance. Judah went, I can't allow another brother to die. I will stand in his place. And he got the chance to make it right for the second time round. And so... I just had really that on my heart this morning to share because often we think, oh, I've messed up. Or, you know, we can look at other people and go, that's it. That's enough of you. And it's like, but, but God can work in people's hearts. And so it's a reminder not to ever give up praying for those around us that maybe have messed up. But also in our own lives that God is as a God of second chances. And, he's, and it's the first story where it really talks about the power of repentance and the power of, of um, having another shot to make something right. And um, the rabbis in the ancient world, they had full repentance is shown when a person is subjected <coughs> excuse me, to the same situation in which he has sinned and which he has fallen once before, only this time he does not sin. The rabbis in ancient ancient world would say that Judah was the ultimate example of true repentance. The second time around, Judah gets it right. So never think that you can't get it right, that, uh, that he's an example of what it looks like for true repentance. And I guess going into, we're talking about vision, that's probably a really good segue because it's like we can feel like, oh, I've done this before, I've hoped before, I've prayed before, I've spoken it out before, it didn't work or I gave up or I messed up and I, and, um, I quit. But God is a great, he's just a great restorer of dreams and, he's, and he is a God of second chances. And um, that even if we maybe have misstepped, that if second time round, just go, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to be okay this time. I'm not going to quit this time. Lord, strengthen me this time. And so as we, as we talk about vision and, um, you know, we've been talking about your 101 things. How are we going? <laughs> Yay! Yeah, or 10 things. How are we going with the 10 things? I was talking to Ben. He goes, I can't even get past five. So we had a little chat last night. We've got 10 things now, yes. Sometimes we think, oh, it's just little things, but we talk. We talk during the day and it's like, oh, I'd really like this to happen. Right, start speaking it. Instead of going, I'd like this to happen, say it's going to happen. Lord, use your word is, you know, you're faithful to your word. You said that whatever I speak out and declare that you are behind that. You know, whatever we say, we say to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. And whatever we say, God is behind it. He, he, he abides in his word and if we abide in him and his word abides in us, we can ask whatever we desire and it shall be done for us. John 15 says that. And so he, it's powerful what we say and, and actually having a vision in our heart and then speaking it out of our mouth. So that's what I want to talk about a little bit today is that we're having our 10 things and um, this is where we train for the fight. So are you ready? 
You say, I was born ready. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Such enthusiasm. Just that it's not that hot. <laughs> it's not that hot. Tell yourself it's not that hot. All right. So we're going to train for the fight. I'm going to give you some five tips of how we train for the fight of being able to, when we've got our vision, we've got our 10 things, we've been doing the 30-day challenge of speaking it out every day in the present tense. I am. I am successful. I am going on holiday. I have this new car. I have, you know, my family is this. Rather than there are, you know, this rotten bunch of people I have to have Christmas with. I am going to have an awesome Christmas. There is peace in my home. Speak in the present tense of what you desire. What is according to God's word. Because God's word, he, he is faithful to it and he is a good God. And, and it's like if something has happened, then it's like God has allowed that to happen. To, and, and it's like, you look at Joseph. Why did he allow that all to happen? But God had a plan and he works in us. And even if it is 20 years or 40 years, Moses was in the desert. Like he, he will just keep on keeping on. And it's our job to not quit, that just refuse to quit. Yeah, refuse to quit. Amen? Yeah. Come on. We can do this. And this is why it's so important that we gather together, that we're listening and we're putting stuff in because it says don't neglect meeting together as some in the, are in the habit of doing because we need one another. We're better together because we can spur one another onto love and good works. Amen? I'm going to preach you happy yet. Are you listening? Amen. Online. <laughs> Give me something. All right. So this is, I am going to be your coach this morning because one of the first things you have to have when you're training for the fight, running your race, because that's what this is all about, is we're running our race. That God has good works provided for us that he planned before the creation of the world. He said he planned good works for us to walk in. And some of those are what we've put on the board. It's like, what has God got for me to do? What is my assignment? You know, we, we're, we are to walk in the, in the footsteps of Jesus who said, I have completed to the very last detail everything you've given me to do, Father. So that's what our job is to, Lord, what is it that you want me to complete? Well, how is it that you want me to live? He says, I have come that you may have joy and enjoy and have an overflow full life. What does that look like? And that's what we've been talking about because that's our assignment. Because when we live that type of life, you tell you what, you glorify him. You point people to him because they're like, look at their life. Look at them. Look at what the Lord has done in them. And that's why God wants us to have a vision put before us that with clarity, we get results. We frame up, literally frame up our future. So we, it's, not just, it's not enough to just have it in our head. We've got to have it in before us. Write down the vision and make it plain that those who read it might run with it. We've got to have it in front of us and we've got to speak it out of our mouth. Okay, so that's what we're going to... So I am your coach this morning, but it's important that we have a coach. Yeah, you've got one of the best coaches in Australia sitting right there over there. He is one of the best coaches in Australia. Yeah, and uh, he is. It's like he gets paid for it too. So, but it's like, it's like, it's like the people around you that encourage you. It's like, yes, come on. Holy Spirit is our coach. He runs along beside us. He says, Go. When I go for my run, I have them running along. I have angels. I have all sorts. I'm like, I have a bit of help to run my 10Ks. It's like, come on. And it's like, we've got to have a running coach. So Holy Spirit is our coach. And those that he gets around you, they're your chair squad. It even says in Hebrews that we have a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Go. Go, Christy. Yay. Yeah, it's like, come on. So we've got to have our coach. 
and we've got to have our chair squad and each other is our chair squad. All of heaven is cheering us on and people that we put in our world that are going to encourage us to run our race and to keep our eyes focused on the vision and to not quit. When you're feeling down, do not go and ring up the phone, pick up the phone and talk to somebody who's just as depressed as you are. It's a bad move. I know that it makes our soul feel like, oh, you're all right. It's the wrong move. Talk, pick up the phone and listen to somebody who's going to give you, come on, don't you quit. Stop being a sad sap. Get out there again. Yeah? Or you're going to get somebody and you're going to listen to a good podcast. You're going to go, yes, come on. Or you're going to pick up the word. You're going to spend time with the Lord. You're going to engage in heavenly places. That's what we've got to do. That's our coach. Our coach, our Holy Spirit, he'll tell you to do that. He's, God never talks depressing talk. He doesn't. He doesn't know how to talk depressing talk. He won't do it. If you've got a depressing voice in your head, that is not Jesus. There's no Holy Spirit. That's the other side. All right? So get people around you who will encourage you to speak God's word out. That's number one. We've got five ways to be able to just train us for the fight, to fight the good fight and to win. Nobody starts on a race to lose. I don't think you do. If you put somebody running along beside me, I'm always going to try and run faster than them. Even if they're quite a lot taller than me, I'll be like, run, run, run. It's like they think I'm like the racehorse. They're like, oh, mum, stop it. It's like I've got to win. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? <laughs> they all laugh at me. So I have to run alone. <laughs> so I don't injure myself. <laughs> I'm actually t- can go much further than them all. That's why I outrun them every time. Anyway, this number one is have a coach, people around you, listen to good stuff that are going to encourage you to speak the word. Number two is stay focused. That's why we have the vision board. That's why we have it on our phone. Did you get it on your phone at work? Yep. Talk to Jeanette. She's got it on her phone. So ask for the app she's using. You can go online and find heaps on the app store. There's heaps of free apps about vision boards. And so you, can, you have no excuse. Oh, I left it at home. Ah, it's on my phone. Yeah. Put it where you can see it so that every time you walk past, you write down the vision, stick it in visual. Because remember we talked about last week, we don't think, I want a new car. And you visualise C-A-R in writing. You have a picture. God is visual. Look at what he created. Look at each other. He's very visual. He made us all different. So it's like... It's like he is a visual God. He gives us the ability to visualise and, and he'll say, stick it and make it clear that you might run with it so you don't get distracted because it's so important. Point two is to stay focused on the vision. Stay focused on the words. Stay focused on the promises of God and what he has put on your heart And because he says, delight in me and I will grant you the desires of your heart. So what do you desire? Make it clear. Stay focused. It's the number one ingredient to achieving your big dreams and goals. You get what you focus on, good or bad. We must get laser focused on what we want to achieve in the next 12 months. That's what this visioning is all about, is what, frame up your future. Where are you heading the next 12 months? What you think about, you bring about. What you think about, as a man thinks, so shall he be. What you think about, you bring about. So what are you thinking about? That's right. Get rid of your stinking thinking. Yep. Always. Yep. Yep. And the more good stuff, that's why you need a great coach. The more good stuff you put in, the more that stinking thinking is going to move and you're going to think good thoughts. So put in good stuff, have some coaches around you, get around good people, come along, listen online, good, 
good, get in the word, put more and more in because the more good stuff you put in, my word for this year, coming year 2020, is positivity. It was creativity this year, it's positivity. Put in good positive stuff, it's going to come out. What you put in comes out. It's just basic principle of life. So stay focused. What you think about, you bring about. Always get more of what you focus on. You focus on good stuff, you're going to get more, more good stuff. You talk about the good things, you're going to get more. I always think it's great when we talk about how the Lord has blessed us and the amazing stuff that you're hearing. Share it and you'll get a blessing. And I tell you what, as Christy said before, when we share what God is doing, the angels listen and they gather around and they go, Ooh, what are they saying? What are they saying about what the Lord has done? Because they love to hear when we glorify God and we talk good stuff. They get on it. They literally, heaven gets on what we're saying when we're talking like that. It says they hearken to the word of the Lord. So when we're speaking out the promises of God, they're going, oh, oh, down there, what are they saying? And they get on it because it's in Psalm 103, they have to. It says they, angels hearken to the voice of the word of the Lord. When we're speaking it out, bang, angels are sent into activation. You sit there, there, we need to, the angels want us to get them busy. Get them busy, all right? Get them busy. So stay focused. What you focus and think about is what you bring about. Why it's so important we focus on what we want and not what we don't want. Focus on what you do want, not what you don't want. So easy to focus on the negative. Focus on what you do want to have happen. Amen? The law of attraction is about seeing what you're looking for. That's why we have it in front of us. If you really don't know what you're looking for, you surely won't find it. That's why you're looking for a partner, write down what you want. Write down, well, if you're looking for a new home, write down what you want. Write down what you want. Make the vision clear. I tell our girls, you don't want a man, write down what you want. Write down my one. That's my dating 101. Write down what you want. Bring it to God. Stick it in front of you. And be that too. You can't have this, you know, Adonis and your flabby, you know, <laughs> not doing anything couch potato. Okay? Or you want this amazing kind person. Well, then you need to allow God's love to work in you too. All right? But write down what you want. Just thought I'd throw that. It's for free, that one. All right, number three, always be aware of your weaknesses. Um, you know when you're in a boxing, no, not when you know, because most of us haven't been in a boxing ring. <laughs> when you've been in a boxing ring, when you've watched boxes. Um, um, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you watch a boxing match, it's like you can see that they study their opponent. They look... You can see that they watch to see how they're, how they're moving. You know, um, coaches, when they are watching a football game, they'll watch tapes over and over and over, replays of the other team to see their weaknesses, to see their game plan. And that's actually what we need to be like, but it's, actually, it's also what the enemy does. He watches to see our weaknesses so that he is at, then tries to trip us up on those weaknesses. So number three is always be aware of your weaknesses because, because we need to know how we're going to fight to win, is that we work to our strengths and we protect our weaknesses. Watch out because the enemy, if he repeatedly hits you in the same spot, it's because he knows that's a weakness. So shore it up. That's what I always say, shore up your weak spot because the enemy, that's where he's going to try and hit. And he shore it up so much that he gives up because he's like, oh, it's not a weak spot anymore. Yeah? 
Be protective about what you're around. Guard your five physical senses so Satan can attack where you are weak. It says in the word, it's Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Guard your heart. Guard what's going into your five senses. Guard what's around you because those are the things that are going to push and pressure us, us to mess up. The enemy, he is, he, he's very patient and he's a sneak. He's a sneak. He just will watch for an opportune moment to strike. Okay, so know your weaknesses, shore them up. You don't have to focus, oh, I'm weak there, just shore it up. Just if you know that you're going into a difficult spot or you're tired, just don't go there. If you know that you've got a weakness for chocolate, stay out of the chocolate the aisle. You know, it's like if you know that you've got a weakness in another, another area, you've got an addiction or you're struggling with something, don't go, you know, looking on your phone late at night if you know that you're going to be you know, enticed into looking at stuff or listening to stuff you shouldn't. If you're feeling down, don't go on Facebook and look at that person that, it, you know, looks like their life is perfect all the time because it's going to make you feel awful. It's like watch your weaknesses, all right? Watch your weaknesses because the enemy will go beep, beep, beep and push that button. Okay? Walk away from situations if you need to. If you know you're tired and somebody is annoying you in the house, just time out because otherwise you know you're going to go in and just want to fight. Yeah? There's always somebody in our world that just knows how to push our button. Beep, 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 beep and you go Poof. All right? So walk away. It's okay to do that. I just need some time. Because you know that you're feeling grumpy or tired and the kids are going to annoy the heck out of you. Time out. Yeah? Okay? So be aware of your weakness and guard your heart for everything flows from it. Number four is intimidate your opponent. And this is what I really want to hone in on tonight, today. Is intimidate your opponent. Our opponent is the devil. He is out to steal and to kill and destroy. That's all. He only has three things in his arsenal. All right? He tries to just whisper, he'll send other people in, he'll send circumstances across our way. He just is always looking. And God says that he goes before us, that he protects us, that he surrounds about us with the angels. It's like we don't have to live in fear, we just need to intimidate the sucker. It's just like you're not going to come. It's like you draw a line in the sand and say, don't you come and cross over here. We've got to get a little bit feisty. This is where we get our faith muscles in and we get faith by hearing God's word. So this is where it's important that you have your coach in place, sticking in God's words, speaking it out of our mouth, draw a line in the sand and say, you come over here, I'm going to come get you. And by the way, I'm coming to get your territory too. I'm coming to get your stuff. Yeah? But first we get strong. So intimidate your opponent. Use your mouth to intimidate the devil. The power of life and death is in your mouth. Use your mouth as a weapon against him. What did Jesus do? He didn't get fisticuffs with the devil. You know, he just spoke the promises of God. He just spoke what God said. Okay, so speak God's word out of your mouth. And that's number five, is speak faith-filled words out of your mouth. That's how we intimidate the devil and send him running. It says, resist the devil and he will flee. That means run away. You know, how, he's going to hightail it out of there. He hates it when we worship because he, got, he lost this place as a worship, the worship leader in heaven. He hates it when we worship and we praise the Lord. Stick on some praise music. Instead of having the TV on all the time in your house, stick on the worship channel. Stick on praise music. Instead of having the vision that the enemy often wants us to be looking at, fill your house with music. Fill your car with music. Sounds of heaven. 
You know, get your guitar out and sing when you feel like you want to yell. It's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's being, being wise about what we do. So speak faith-filled words. Your goals are clear. Your vision board is designed. Your dreams are imagined. Now we need to remove all negative self-talk out of our mouth. And this is a biggie. Because we know what we should do and then our mouth gets involved. Yes? Okay, and it's like... Our words are a tool to be used to help us reach our goal. And this is where the supernatural element of visioning comes into play. We need to know what we desire. That's our job. God has put desires in our heart, but he's not just going to sit back, you know, let us sit back and he does it all for us. It's like we've, we, he wants us to run. It's like when you have a baby and they start to get bigger and they start to crawl and you're like, yay, and you get the cameras out and then they start to stand up. What do we do? We don't pick them up and go, oh, no, you can't. I'll do it for you. We rejoice as parents when our children grow and can do things themselves and it's like we're there to help them but we know, all right, you're strong enough now. Your back's strong enough. Your legs are strong enough. You can do this and then it's like they totter around, around and we're there to catch them but then it's like we take the training wheels off the bike, don't we? We take the pee plates off, pee plates off, you know, like it's like we do those things and the father is the same. He's not going to do it all for us. He says, you're big enough now. You're big enough now to do this. What do you want? What do you want? What do you desire? Trust me that I'm going to lead and guide you. Trust that the desires in your heart are things I've put there, that the things you enjoy are actually part of your destiny. He's not going to do it all for us. That's our job, to sit down, to just sit with him and allow ourselves to dream. And that's why it's so important to do this. He's not going to do it for you. Oh, whatever God wants. That's a cop-out. I'll just do whatever God wants. He's, he's put that inside of us and it's part of our job is to find out the things he's already put in there and they go, go. It's like Michelangelo, you know, he goes, oh, well, the, the statue of David will just pop out of the marble. Well, it didn't. It was, it was he, he, you know, just stood back and looked at that thing, of that big clump of marble and was like, oh, I can see it because God had given them ability to visualise. And so he was able to, because God had gifted him and given him ability and just amazing, really, he was able to start to chip away and to carve it out. That's what visualisation does. It's like our life is like that marble. It's this beautiful, smooth piece of marble that may not look much at first, but if we allow God to work within us and we go, all right, chip away, oh, and you start to visualise what, it's always there. Everything that we, that we need is there already. And it's like the Statue of David was made that way. The angels, that you know, you, you go and you see or you look it up. It's like a man did that because he visualised. But God just didn't go, oh, well, I'll do it for you. Whatever you want, God, I'll do it. No, he's put it there in a destiny in our hearts. It's our job to uncover it. It's our job to discover it. Yeah, and if you're still here... He's still got a dream for you. He's still got a goals for you to do. Our words can create doubt and ne negativity or they can position our life for something significant. So we've got to watch what we're saying. Our words can position us for something magnificent. What, what are you saying about your life? What are you saying? Now, hopefully you're saying good things because you've been visualising and visioning and dreaming because when you start to dream, Hope arises in our heart. Yeah? So what are you saying about your finances? 
What are you saying about your family? What are you saying about your kids, your relatives, Christmas dinner? What are you saying about your health? What are you saying about your career? Your very own words shape your world. It's our words out of our mouth because we're made in the image of God and God spoke the world into being. So we're made in his image so we have the same ability to speak and things happen. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in your heart? And if you're speaking stuff that isn't great, go, oh, no, my heart's terrible. Just say, Lord, I'm just going to sit with you. And it's like what Christy was saying before, just to recalibrate, to align ourselves with what God's word says and what he desires for our life. And that's why it's so important that every day we spend time with him because then he just aligns us again. So their hearts, what comes out of them is good because our mouth speaks what's in our heart, Matthew says. Our words carry measurable significance. Our experience in life are affected by the words we've spoken in the past. So if you don't like what you've had so far, change what you're saying. Yeah? Our life tomorrow will be determined by the words we speak today. Okay? Our life is shaped by our words. It's a spiritual principle. You can't get away from it. And if you look through some of the accounts of people, they've actually prophesied their own early death or they've prophesied sickness or they've prophesied marriage breakup. They've actually spoken it because it's so powerful. The power of life and death is in this. Okay, so we've got to, um, you know, James 3 verse 4 says, tells us that a rudder controls the entire direction of a ship. The same way our tongues control the direction of our lives. God is pointing it out plain and clear to us that our words, our words direct our lives, positively or negatively. So it's like James talks about our tongue and the power of the tongue and to watch what's coming out. But more importantly, to know what's in your heart because your mouth speaks what's in your heart. If you don't like what your mouth is talking, look at your heart. If you don't like what's in your heart, then go, all right, God, I need you to just come and cleanse that. Cleanse me that I might be clean. Wash me, cleanse me, heal me. That's why it's so important to spend time with him. If you don't like what your mouth is saying, look at your heart. If you don't like what's in your heart, God, he can give you a new heart. He makes us stony hearts, he gives us a new heart. You know, and he heals our hearts. He says that he'll heal our brokenness. You know, cleanse me that I might be clean. And, you know, heal my broken heart. If you look all through the word, you see that over and over again that God is a restorer of brokenness. Where people have just like thrown somebody on, under the bus kind of thing and go, it's too hard. You know, and we may feel like that sometimes, that it's just too hard. But God, he's a great restorer. He's a restorer of dreams. He's a restorer of our hearts. He's a restorer of our minds and our bodies. So if you don't like what's coming out of your mouth, look at your heart and then let God heal it. If you're always saying, oh, this is never going to happen for me, let God heal your heart. I know that we know we can have such disappointment or you get beaten about by life and everybody else seems to be having good things happen. Facebook is terrible for that, you know, Instagram, all those. But it's like if you're feeling like jealousy rising up or it's that all. You know, God will uh, offend our minds to reveal our hearts. Yeah? So don't like what's coming out. Look at your heart. God, heal it. I'm sitting with you every day. Put his word in. He's your coach. Get around people who can help you. Because what comes out of our mouth um, is so important. Joel Osteen said, if you will change what you are saying, you'll change what you are seeing. Change what you say, you'll change what you see. Okay? So we cannot speak defeat and expect victory. 
Our words have creative power. If our dreams appear absolutely impossible and there's no indication that things will ever change, do not use your words to describe your situation. Use your words to change it. You know, we're very good at saying what we have. Start to say what you desire. That's why we talked about speaking things in the present tense. And Jeremiah, God gave Jeremiah a promise that he would become a prophet to the nations. Immediately, Jeremiah didn't say, yay, I'm, I'm this amazing man. I'm going to, you know, you know what he said? I'm too young. And God very quickly went and he actually said, I'm too young and I can't speak to the nations. And God made no apologies in correcting his words. And he said, say no, say not that I am too young. Straight away, he said to Jeremiah, say not that you are too young. Because he knew if he started to think about that and say that, that he would actually literally seal his identity and his destiny. So he made him be quiet. You don't believe me? Look at Zechariah in um, Luke chapter 1. It talks about when an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah. This is John's, John the Baptist's dad. And Elizabeth had been barren. She was late in years. She was you know, really physically probably not able to have children. And an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah and said, you're going to have a son and you will name him John. And, and he straight away doubted and said, how can this be so? And, and the angel told him off and said, I am an angel, a messenger from the Lord Most High. Who are you to say that to me? I mean, imagine an angel showing up and then you're going, well, how can that be so? Mary was much better. She said, mum, be it unto me according to your word. Same angel, different response. Zachariah, guess what happened to him? So he couldn't speak and undo the plan and destiny of God for him and Elizabeth and the plan. What did he do? He made him be unable to speak until the time of when um, John was eight days old and he was about to be named. And they were going, what should he be named? Should he be named after his father? And suddenly he was able to speak and he said, his name is John. Okay, so that's how important. If God is going to make somebody be quiet and and he wasn't able to speak for over nine months. Because if he had spoken, he would have spoken doubt and disbelief and undone the destiny of, of what God had planned. John was a forerunner. He went before Jesus to prepare the way for the Messiah. He could not be speaking rubbish. He could not be speaking lack of faith. He could not be speaking this is impossible. He had to say, let it be done. And if he couldn't do that, which he obviously God knew he couldn't, he zipped his lip. Elizabeth, on the other hand, she was like, yes, you know, and she knew. She was like, look what the Lord has done for me in my old age. And look at Mary. She said, be be it done to me as you have said. Okay, that's what we want to be like. When we get this vision in our heart, when God starts to move and we start to dream and we start to visualise and things start to go off, it's like, don't be like Zachariah who says, well, how can that be so? Go, all right, Lord, with you, all things are possible. I know that you I overcome by the word of my testimony and the blood of the lamb. It's so important that we overcome by our testimony and other people's. Tell it. If you don't have a testimony yet, then share somebody else's. Tell about what God has done somewhere else. It, like it builds our faith. If God can do it for them, he can do it for me. He is no respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right? He does not change. He is faithful to his word. Amen? 
So our words can stop us from experiencing God's best in our life or they can propel us to enjoying everything he has prearranged for us to enjoy. Pay attention to God's instructions concerning your future. Just last thing is Isaiah 46. It said we are instructed to declare the end from the beginning. We're advised to declare new things before they have happened. Romans says that God speaks those things that are not as though they are. So declare the end from the beginning. Look ahead and go, where do I want to be in five years' time? And start speaking that. Can you do that? Because that's what God wants. And when you start to have stinking thoughts, examine your heart. Examine what's in there. Listen and look to what your five senses are picking up. If you don't want to hear about all the bad news and how terrible the world, world is, do not go on, on YouTube or the news, you know, or, or read the paper and all the bad stuff. Go, you know what? That's all the bad news, but God says that we have a hope and a future. God is able to do things. If you don't want to hear, you know, like just watch what you're listening to. Watch what you're around. Protect those things. Guard your heart and speak things that are good. Speak it out. And it's a discipline. And if you're having trouble, put on a podcast and just spur on your faith. Make sure you're gathering around good people. Get a coach around you. Yeah? Pick up the phone and say, hey, tell me some good things. Yeah? Tell me some good things. Walt Disney said the difference in winning and losing is not quitting. We've got to outlast the devil. We have everything we need on the inside of us to keep going. Just make a decision. I am not going to throw in the towel this time. I can't let the devil hear us saying no more. He is hoping that we will give up. Declare God's promises over your life and refuse to give up. It's the one thing to stop saying the wrong things, but you've got to start saying the right things. Okay? The difference of our dreams happening and it's experiencing all that God wants is what comes out of our mouth and refusing to quit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your life in us. I thank you that we have everything we need within us for life and abundance and goodness, Lord. I pray that you would help us run our race. I pray that you would fire us up on the inside. Lord, that you would encourage us that as we do this process of visioning and dreaming and having a vision board in front of us, that we write down the vision and make it clear that we won't run with it. Lord, that you would encourage us, that we would spur one another on to love and good deeds, Lord, that you have such a good, amazing future for all of us and that when we run in that, we glorify you. Lord, we glorify you, that we won't just sit back and say, oh, whatever God wants, because what you want is what we've put in our hearts. So I pray that you would encourage us, Lord, that you'd heal us from disappointment and hurt, Lord. If we've had things that have just discouraged us, Lord, that you would encourage us, that you would um, just start to speak to us in, in our dreaming, that you would, as we sit down quietly, you'd start to just release visions, Lord. You'd release, release visualization that as we're walking through the day, that things would just jump out at us and go, oh I'd really love to do that and you'd put dreams back in our heart where there might have been disappointment I pray your healing hand on us Lord and that we would run that we run our race and we win the prize Lord and um, that we would achieve everything that you've assigned and called us to in our life I pray in Jesus name amen amen